Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I mean, he had the same chance six times. The same fucking chance. You think just even by a fluke, he would he would hit hit the ball better this time. He hit it fucking terribly every time from the same fucking angle. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And that chalked Sean Dice tonight, would you really feel comfortable accepting a point from that disgraceful display? What a pointless nothing team. Really, like, what, what is the point of that Burnley side? Just a waste of everybody's time, and it's not, I don't even want extra points for Villa. They didn't deserve them, they couldn't score, they couldn't hit a barn door. I just don't think Burnley deserve a point for that absolute tripe that they served up. So, there we have it, another home game, another... Another few points dropped. Another shit team coming to Villa Park and getting away with something. Villa actually played well today, so it's hard to be too down on them. But like the reality is, Liam, and I'm not even... <laughs> There's a couple of good stats, a couple of good positive things. Like, for example, they've got six clean sheets now this season. They only got seven last year, so there's a, there's a marked improvement there. They missed a lot of chances, you know, a lot of chances. So in another day, they might have, they might have won that game. But I'm looking at that thinking, no, they wouldn't have. On an holiday, every single one of those players would have kept missing those chances because they're all shite. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. I mean, a manager, a manager can't score. His job is really to get his players into positions where they can score, stop the opposition from getting into positions, even you know, motivating the players so that they can. They can carry out the instructions that he's given them to try and get into those positions, giving them the confidence to carry out those instructions. And Dean Smith does all that really well, or most of it anyway. But he's just got such a personnel problem. But during that whole game, I was just thinking, thinking about Dean Smith and thinking about how well Villa were playing and thinking about, and you touched on it there, what gets Sean Dyche out of bed in the morning? <laughs> like, How does he do it? I know he's got resource constraints and... 
Burnley are a tiny club with a few Villa rejects knocking around and stuff, but how does he do it? Like going in every morning, they training, going to matches, just yep. asking a load of professional footballers, like, you know, can you be disciplined? Can you run a bit harder than you currently run? Like, why has he chosen a career in football? He doesn't like it. He has no interest in the sport at all. It's such a bizarre career choice for him. Well, if this was a different industry, he would have moved on now. He's taken Burnley way past where they, where they can go. They're not going to go any further. I, like, this is how bad lockdown got in 2020. Like I ended up listening to an hour-long Sean Dyche podcast where he was being interviewed. And yeah, in a way, I gained a bit of respect for him because he was talking about the financial constraints and he was explaining, I think one of the questions put to him was like, you know, you don't like foreign players. You know, you think players can't cut it outside the Premier League or they won't cut it in the Premier League when they come in. And he was just explaining it very logically that like, you know, I I have a very small budget. I can't afford to waste that money on players. Like, so when I'm buying a player, I need to be able to speak to all their coaches that I know or I need to be able to speak to their school and build up as much information as I can about them and know how much I can improve them when they come there. But he doesn't even improve them. He just gets reliable players to do a reliable job and it's just a pointless existence. Like, you know, this, this is why everybody was so excited that Leeds and Villa got back to the Premier League. Because Burnley are just, they're not even stinking the place up. They're just, they're just there taking up space. It's a waste of time. It's a, it's, a, it's a waste of time and it's just made all the worse because he's in such a privileged position. Imagine how exciting a job that would be. Imagine coming home and saying to your partner, I got a new job. I'm a football manager. <laughs> and then going out and doing that with it. What a waste of time. Yeah. Just like really send it out of team and just relying on luck. It's fucking bizarre. <laughs> yeah, he, he he would actually um he would sound like a great eligible bachelor if he was on a date with somebody for the first time, telling telling her that he's a you know that he's a Premier League manager. <laughs> you know, that sounds amazing. And then she goes home to watch it and it's like yeah. What? Yeah. I thought I thought you had a cool job. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? Oh you were you were managing that team? I thought you were just watching them doing nothing. Yeah, ah, oh, so grim, so fucking. Um, grim. and then on what planet is there two minutes of stoppage time in that match? For Christ's sake, what did they say? It was twenty six efforts from Villa. Most of them went wide. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of injuries, a lot of arguments. Craig Pawson blows it up twenty seconds over the two minutes, even though there's stoppage time in those two minutes, and there's a sub made, which is another thirty seconds added on. He just followed along into one of those narratives where the referee you know has to help the underdog gain their point and the ball's too far around the pitch so we just won't play the the full extra whatever it was 20 30 seconds but it's the principle of the thing let them try and get the ball back up the pitch it's not up to you to blow it because it's out of danger now and by the way he blew it up at half time when there was a corner kick for villa yeah i mean we've talked about referees with headmaster syndrome before craig pawson has got best mate syndrome <laughs> he is such a fucking loser. The amount of late tackles, studs up, you know, just RG bargy. Look, Nakamba couldn't buy a yellow card tonight. He must have committed about five fouls in the first half, and they were all so blatant, so late, so lazy. Just like, you know, any one of them could have been a yellow card. Yeah. The mo- ben Me? What did Ben Me have to do to get booked tonight? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Craig Parsons is just a loser. He just, like, you know, wants to be everybody's mate. Let's just get. Let's just all get along, guys. We'll get through this ninety-two minutes, even though it should be ninety-four. <laughs> I actually wanted to talk about that Ben May tackle. That 
like obviously it was the most clear cut yellow card you ever see. Like Greedy's actually gotten past him almost for a goal chance. So good. Like it's it's above a yellow card. It is a yellow card, but you like that's the very basement of it. Um, but like he couldn't have looked less like a footballer. He he looked like one of those boys. You know when you're playing at lunchtime in school. And somebody's there just making up the number. There's like PE and somebody there who didn't bring their gear, but the teacher's making him train anyway or play anyway. And he's he's a bit of a dark horse. He's just like, he's rough and he gets stuck in. He's, he's brave, but he's no interest in football. And he just lounges a leg at him. Like he's, he's, he's completely planted. It's like it's like he's never had to tackle anybody before in his life. I really don't understand. Matt Target had something similar as well. But like, you know, we know there's different reasons for that. Ben May just stuck out the straightest leg and almost got out of Grealish's way just so he could trip him. It was bizarre. Yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't normally have to tackle because there's normally eight really disciplined Burnley players standing <laughs> in the box in front of him. I, I actually thought he looked like just an older lad who was walking through the, the school playground and just for the laugh, just tripped some lad who was running <laughs> past him. He had no interest in playing football. Yeah, like, yeah Ben Mee did very well to stay on that pitch tonight. What the fuck is Loughton doing standing on his own line during open play? Like, <laughs> <laughs> if anything sums up that terrible, disgusting Burnley side, that is it. Like, this was open play. It was a cross from the wing. And uh, I think it's deflected off Watkins. It's it's come down, and I think El Mohamedy's tried to volley it. Deflected off Watkins. And there's Loughton on his own goal line just helping out the keeper. Like, is he permanently just stationed there because... Yeah, as you said, he's got eight other players who could fill in a fullback. He doesn't need to be out there. <laughs> oh, it was fucking so annoying as well. Jumped in the air thinking it was in, and that fucking numpties just wandered back behind <laughs> behind his goalkeeper when the ball is just on the edge of the box. Where are you going? Jack Greenish is standing free out there. Go mark him, maybe. <laughs> and I've got uh you know, there's a there's a tale of um misfortunes well not like for for the most part it was just terrible play from Villa and if they got those chances again the same boys would probably keep missing them but the Nick Pope save on El Ghazi was one of the best saves I've seen this season um for the free kick when he tipped it onto the crossbar it's like fuck like as much as uh Matt Lowton's thing was like you know how desperate are you like you know, the Nick Pope thing was just one of those ones that sucks the life out of you it's like just piss off will you yeah, no, nah, it was an absolutely amazing save. De Gea made a very famous, very similar one against Mata a few years ago. I don't think this this one will be replayed ever again. But, you know, it was, it was a brilliant, brilliant save. All right, I'm flying through the top of the show because I have a lot of WhatsApp wins tonight. So let's get into it. There you go. I called him Trampoline Trorori for a reason and you didn't listen to me. Oh, we started. <laughs> that just didn't sound like an end of a sentence. Um, I, ca- I called him it last week because of his touch, everything was just bouncing off him. And there he is at the back post. The ball, like everything is opened up. The ball has come straight through for him. And his touch takes it up to his hips. And w- by the time it comes back down to him, there's three Burnley players sliding across their goal line. Yeah, I, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the only time that night where he just, like, that was there to be hit on the half volley with his right foot and if, you, if you've got a weak bad foot half volley is exactly what you want just have a lash at it you know the, the ground takes a lot, of the, a lot of the focus off the ball free so all you have to do is hit through the middle of the ball but it obviously just does not fancy his right foot because he was just refusing that all night and 
Like I've mentioned before that you, you can't play inverted wingers unless you have very good fullbacks, especially if one of them can't even run. But like you know, if, if both if both of your wing wingers are so one footed, it really limits your options and makes you so unbelievably predictable. There was two or three chances that Trori and and Al Ghazi just just lost. Like you know, just chances wasn't there anymore because they just didn't fancy it on their left or right foot. It was fucking pathetic, and that one was so fucking irritating. I actually thought the one that it came on there from the right wing and just had yeah. an unbelievably heavy touch was more annoying. He just took a really heavy touch and he ended up in the like on the penalty spot and then just hit a shit shot. Like after that terrible touch. Oh yes, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. He, he took the heavy touch into two players and blasted it off them. Yeah, exactly. But he, like, but even after he took it, he still had time to react. He still could have like those two players dived to the ground. But like he still he still could have done something else instead of booting it off them when they're lying there. So this actually brings me on to my other question about him, and, and like I'm being serious. Does he understand the objective of football matches? Like, I think he just loves playing with the ball and being challenged by people, and he, you know, he loves getting stuck in. But I don't. It's either he doesn't care or he doesn't know about the overall idea of trying to score. Yeah, there there are some players who who really just like looking good. And do you remember Ronaldo came to United at first? He was just such a show pony. Yeah. Like, and somebody obviously got in his ear and said, "Listen, mate." All anybody is going to care about is your output. Yeah. And he just turned into a goal machine. And some players just get that. And some, like, no one's obviously said it to Troy yet because he's still just flouncing around and he's, he looks nice. He's, he seems dangerous. He, he tries a lot. He tracks back, like, you know, an unbelievable run back for one of the, we'll talk about that, that, I'm sure. That was the one the target got runs for, the same as Ben Me. Yeah, it was fucking pathetic. Apology of a tackle from, yeah. from target. Apology of a run. He can't run. Anyway, we're not going to give him the target tonight. But, yeah, like you could see him, track, you know, just the, the idea of him having to run forty meters with the ball, like the ball's like ahead of him, so he's fine, like he's he's between the the ball and the goals, but he he's still shitting himself and he's running with like lead on his feet. Anyway, go back to Troy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like so, it's I I just it, it's annoying, but like. It, I think I definitely think there's a player in there because he's got I think he's got bags of talent. It just I I don't know how to get it out of him. I I don't know. Like you know, I think me and you've had this conversation a lot. Like where I would say to you that there's players who are better than me, and I'm playing ahead of them. But it's like if some people just don't have it upstairs. Like you know, they might be technically better and physically better, but if they just don't know what they're doing or they don't do the right thing over and over, then they're not that good. Mm-hmm. You know, they they've got some tools to be good, but your head is a really important tool, one of the most important. And yeah, like even like you're talking about an inverted winger, like the one that Greeley's laid on for him, like that that couldn't have been more perfect for a left footer just to curl that around the keeper. And he just hits it with his right foot across the goals. It was uh it was it was unbelievable. Um I, I think I think his head was scrambled at that stage. So it, you know he's he was not he was out in his feet. He was taken off soon after that and why he's trying to cross that, I don't know. He thought it was the clever thing to do. He thought it was the right play. Look, he, he, I'm not again. Like and I've said this loads of times before, it was terrible execution. I I didn't really think there was much problem with him trying to play that into a centre forward. He was not a great angle. He should have had a, a lash at it once we've seen that he plays a terrible cross. But look, it wasn't a great night. I'm not giving up on him yet. <laughs> um, I had this one down and I had a look actually what I was talking about. So I've written um that is the worst yellow card I've ever seen. And it was the one where Watkins came running back onto the pitch. 
and the ref gave him a yellow card. Like the play stopped. It, he didn't get an advantage. He didn't. Do you know it was it was so bizarre. He was bleeding. He didn't realize. So he had to go back and get treatment. And he, like when when you look at the stuff like we talk about Ben May getting away with things and. Do you know, it was just it was just so unnecessary giving him a yellow card for. Yeah, I mean, nobody else could get booked in that game except for somebody for running onto a pitch with a bloody nose. It was yeah. pathetic performance from Craig Pawson. Like Greenish had a big tackle on Loughton very early on, and um, gave a free because it was like a tough tackle. Like that was it. Like it was a clean tackle. Greenish poked it away as he was sliding, and he gave a free for it because obviously when you land on your arse your heel hits the ground and your studs are shown. Mm. <laughs> it, was like, it was one of those ones where I was like, if that's a free, I give up a football. <laughs> that's not the game that I love. Let them play. It's definitely not the game that you play anyway, Conor, because you're you're all about the studs up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there was just a lot of talk about the, the Brady standing on the camber. Like, uh, actually, you know, VAR did exactly what you want there. VAR checked it and within five seconds they said it's fine. And the commentators went on about it for another two and a half, three minutes. And it's like, this is a perfect example now of, you know, people making a thing out of VAR when there's not a thing there to be had about it. So it's like, VAR just did his job there. Just an extra pair of eyes. He might have missed a stump. No, he was just going for the ball and it was unfortunate that he, he clipped, he landed on his heels. Um, That's it. And then they just kept talking about it, like, oh, everybody wants to check everything nowadays and stuff. It's like, no, they looked at it, said it was fine, move on. You don't need to keep crying about it. Well, this is the thing. This, and people love complaining. This is what people forget. The VAR is just the thing that they're complaining about now. Before that, it used to be the fact that we didn't have any technology in the game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I've got a third one here. I think I've got six altogether. Tarkovsky isn't that fucking good, lads. Yeah, he's not. I think mean, Villa showed a bit too much respect in the first half, I think, for a lot of the Burnley players, and they just couldn't figure it out. A lot of the times you just have to run at them because they're shit, and Tarkovsky's one of them. It's unbelievable how highly rated he is uh, for somebody who's just he's absolutely buying average. And as all the Burnley players are, I mean, how many chances did Villa create tonight just from pressure? Yep. It's never a bad idea to close down a Burnley player. Because they'll fucking lose the ball. And Tarkovsky's just one of them. Like as soon as somebody started pressurizing them, they were just they were they were scrambling everywhere, just getting rid of the ball. They were pathetic. They really were. Like actually, this could be married to another one I have here. It's like, what's with all the respect for Loton? Like Loton's right back. Get Greedish on the left. Go at him for fuck's sake. Like, one time Greedish went at him, he left him on his arse. He left if eventually left Tarkovsky on his backside. Later on, but there was even Grealish, there was just too much, yeah, as you say, respect, almost fear. It's like, oh, here comes big tough Tarkowski. Turn around and put him on his on his arse. Like, but like the, yeah, it's a good point that you're making there about uh so this is what I'm saying about Villa playing well. They they won a lot of ball back. Like it, you know, it, it was really heartening. They just kept turning the ball over and coming back at them. They won all the second balls. But in hindsight, you're looking at it going, What is Sean Dice doing? How can he not see that Westwood and Brownhill are completely drowning in that midfield? You know, they're on their own. Does Villa have an extra body in there? Grealish is coming out making another one or, or Traore. And yeah, they're just, they're just nicking every single breaking ball, every single second ball. And they're just overrunning them every time. Meanwhile, he makes a sub and he puts on Ashley Barnes up top. And he's just got the two lads up top and... They're doing nothing. Like Barnes came on his first touch, he chested it, and then he overheaded it straight to Martinez. Like one of those big hooks. 
you know, like not even the two men up front, but like it wasn't even worth sacrificing your midfield because they were giving you something. They were giving you nothing as well, and Conan, just Conan, couldn't Conan. react. All he did was hope. Sean Dyche doesn't care that his midfield's giving him nothing. Yeah, it's irrelevant to him. Like that's why he picks Ashley Westwood because Ashley Westwood does what he's told. Same as Brownhill, like he does not care that his midfielders can't play football. That is utterly irrelevant. Yeah, what he needs him to do is to get back and to try really hard. And Ashley Westwood can float balls into his battering rams up top. Like, yeah, and, and like, and I know a lot of a lot of managers. We've seen a lot of them in Ireland that they have that same policy. When somebody does what they're told, it doesn't matter what they're not bringing you. It's like he'll stand in a position I want them to stand in, so that's good. But. But those boys standing in whatever position he wanted him standing did nothing. Villa just kept creating chance after chance. If, if it was like like the Wolves game last year where Villa couldn't get through, that would be like understandable. It's like, all right, well, he's got a system there that Villa aren't getting through. It was just a system of pure luck. Like, you know, you could tell they played Arsenal in the last game because, because they got an easy ride. But they came up against a team who can create chances and they just conceded more chances than they probably ever will the rest of the season. Yeah, it was so annoying. Like the commentator was talking about um their last that you know if you had offered them four points before before the last two games, they yeah. definitely would have bitten your hand off. And he's and he's got two clean sheets as well. So it's it's a great it's a great uh great two games for Sean Dyche. He didn't get a clean sheet tonight. Just <laughs> something that happened irrelevant. Irrelevant was was the fact that Sean Dyche was manager there. Did that just <laughs> happen to him? <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, second last one. It's time for Elma Hamani to grow the fuck up. Elmo was very timid tonight, wasn't he? You you know that I love Elmo. Um, yeah. but I'm watching that, and you have Matty Cash played all the Premier League games so far, and it's like Elmo, you're not playing for Hull City anymore. Steve Bruce isn't your manager anymore. <laughs> Hitting the ball first time, like like Jordan Henderson does, like it isn't going to cut it every single time. I know you've got a good cross on you, but will you just check for something else? Just whipping the ball constantly into the back post, yeah. where most of the time nobody was, was just pissing me off. Yeah, check for something else, or at the very least, check who's in the box and where they are in that box. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah like and but he didn't even get forward that often either. It was it was like Dean Smith was just that's fine, like you know. The, the six lads up top will create enough chances. I don't need the baller risking getting hit in the counter attack against these fucking duds. Or the, <laughs> the other six work it out. I don't need to send my fullbacks forward. El Ghazi genuinely thinks that just feeling lucky is enough. <laughs> he like I actually got excited in the first half. I've never seen um not a decline, but a decline in self-belief like it. Like uh, how quickly and how steeply that curve went down was incredible. It was like um a, a part of me during the first half, even though I missed a couple of chances, I was like, oh, I like Peacock and El Ghazi. I can I can get on board of an El Ghazi of his chest puffed out. Obviously he was feeling good from his uh his 94th minute winner and all the love that he was getting uh, ever since. And he just seemed to think that that would take care of everything. You know, it's like, well, like this story has already been written now. This is my big comeback. And it's like, well, Gazzy, you still have to be able to control the football. You still have to be able to make a right decision. And 
unfortunately he started realizing that as well <laughs> but he tried harder and you know as he was trying harder his self-belief was going down and down and it was just uh the el Ghazi that got so much criticism that was coming back god love him yeah me and you've had a lot of a lot of arguments about el Ghazi over the years well up until about a year ago whenever i just grudgingly accepted that you were right <laughs> like I, the peacock and el Ghazi was what i always saw and as I've said about Trory the last two weeks, that's what I like in my wingers. I want them to be trying things. I want them to be, you know, looking dangerous, putting the other team under pressure, making the fullback's head go all over the place. That's what you want. But you also want them to fucking hit the target. I mean, he had the same chance six oh. times. The same fucking chance. You think just even by a fluke, he would he would hit, hit the ball better this time? He hit it fucking terribly every time from the same fucking angle. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of the time, like Grealish had given it to him, and I was wondering, like, is he ever going to get fed up giving it to him, or is Gaz ever going to think about giving it back to him? Yeah. Um, it, it got to a stage where players were just there was no point in sort of going along with him because you knew he was just going to try and try and hit it after the free kick. He just he just went flicked the switch and he brought back the the elmo from this year. And just started like blazing things or under hitting things. There was there was no in between. Yeah, it was it was so. There was one. There was one that looked quite good. It was I think it was the one where he's coming more through the middle and he whipped it, but he hit it far too early. It's yeah. so much time there, and like the defenders had sold themselves. They followed Grealish because they realised El Ghazi was on the ball, so yeah. we right after this lad, and he just he just spanked it from about twenty five yards when he had another good five yards to to close off there. But uh, like just bad decision making, terrible execution. Exactly the two things that you don't want from a professional footballer. <laughs> and that wraps up WhatsApp winges. Um, we get into some categories here. <laughs> I, I burst onto the scene, didn't I? And I was gonna be the next best thing. Oh. Who, who was it that said? There was an interview somebody recently and they said that he's always positive. It was Mika Richards. Hold on, I played for England at 18. Youngest ever defender to play for England. It was Mika Richards. He was talking on Sky Sports and he said he's always positive. Sometimes you wish he wasn't as positive. Like he almost he said he was too nice. Right. What do you think, lad? I think Mika Richards should shut the fuck up. <laughs> what the fuck has Mika Richards ever done for Aston Villa? <laughs> Dean, Dean Smith got Aston Villa promoted from 14th in the championship. Mika Richards was just there collecting 40 grand a week while that was all happening. <laughs> oh, he's just brilliant. He's just top. What a guy to work with you are, honestly. Do you let Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award? Not taking El Ghazi off. Huh. Who are you bringing on for El Ghazi? Anybody. <laughs> um... um Come on, uh, like, like Muller creates loads like, of chances. And a part, yeah, Liam, I'm ready for this. A, I, part, I knew of that, a part of that, a part of that was El Ghazi. A large part of that was El Ghazi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he kept fucking missing them. 
Like he missed chance after chance after chance, and it was like after after seven missed chances, you know he's not going to score. So there's no point in El Ghazi getting those chances. Like he's just, now he's just somebody who is stopping you scoring those chances because they're going to him. Yeah, get him out of there. Get get Watkins over there, and that, like like that's what they did in the end. But like I kept thinking, if one of those chances falls to Watkins, he'll probably score. But they kept. We kept coming to El Ghazi and like he wasn't creating him half the time. Grealish was just either rolling it to him or rolling it to Terori and both of them were lining up to fucking do their worst. Yeah, but he's creating it with his movement. He's creating it with his runs. Like El Ghazi was so important to how Aston Villa were playing and how Aston Villa were playing was working and he couldn't take off El Ghazi for his only all-or forward, Davis, because he had to take off Terori and he knew he was going to have to take off Terori. (laughs) <laughs> so the only other nomination I had in this category was not taking Ferrari off earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like and and that was definitely something that could have that could have been looked at. I mean, Villa could have they could have brought on Keenan Davis for Nakamba. Like you know, Burnley weren't going to do anything. I thought uh, like I I understand you definitely do not want to get caught out against these absolutely useless bastards because how much of a kick in the teeth would that have been? But yeah. Nakamba wasn't helping Villa keep a clean sheet tonight. Sean Dyche was. <laughs> but that's it. Like, you know, because when they threw Keenan Davis up top, you're like, you know, what, what, what's he going to bring at the minute, having not played football since September? But you realise that Watkins was sort of out of the way when he was up top. So all he needed was that extra body just to keep the two centre-backs honest. So that could have been anybody. And then, like... I was just fed up seeing chances fall into El Ghazi because you're right. Like, and I know and when I saw, like, after 70 minutes, I think um, the shot went up to Terry and Smith and Shakespeare. You know, when they're just chatting, they, they look a bit annoyed they haven't scored, but they look very calm and that, like, you know, what else can you do? Like, we're, we're creating more chances than we will in any other game. But I was thinking, like, again, the chances are not going to be scored at any stage if they keep coming to El Ghazi. So there is a, like, I know what you mean. He's helping create these chances, but he's not going to score them. So there's no point in, in creating the chances. I mean, the, the, the chances weren't falling to El Ghazi. El, El Ghazi was making them happen. But I, I definitely think it was strange that Villa had 27 shots and Ollie Watkins maybe had two. That, that, that is something that they could have looked at on the bench. That, like they could, have, they could have put Grealish out to left wing earlier, maybe tried Trory back in the middle and El Ghazi out the other side and tried to get more balls into to Watkins. Taking El Ghazi off wasn't the answer, though. It was changing slightly how they were playing. But it's so difficult to do that whenever what you're doing is working. And like I said, manager's job is to get you in the position to create chances. So I, I, did, I did want to talk about that Watkins stat. I know it's an unverified one, but like a manager's job is also to get the chances ideally to his best goal scorer. And get the ball to his best player, like Grealish. You know, like we talk about that. At what stage does it have to be some sort of intervention to, like, you know, we we need to get Watkins these chances instead. You know, just in general, like I mean, this in a more macro level now as well, because like, the chances are, are Villa's plays and being designed around Ollie Watkins finishing it off, and that's starting to really it's it's coming through more and more in every podcast, but it's starting to really grind my gears now. Yeah, well. <laughs> Tonight, I don't think it was that. That really was an option because Burnley really strangled the middle of the defence. I mean, you know, so the space is coming in then from the wings. Loughton was playing at the corner of his own box. You know, there's very little room for Watkins there, so he did a really good job of clearing out space. Um, 
I, I definitely definitely something should have happened tonight where they should have they should have tried to think of all their ways around it. Uh, in general, I don't know. Watkins gets a lot of chances, and Watkins his numbers aren't being padded. I think Watkins is brilliant, but his numbers are being padded slightly by the Liverpool game. I mean, he yeah, he scored those goals in a brilliant win, but like you know, it hasn't he hasn't always looked a threat in every game. He's a little bit patchy at the minute. Yeah, but but this is what I mean. Like, I I don't think he is patchy. Like I think he's he's looked consistent in every game, but he's just been given less chances and less good balls in every game. If you know what I mean, like I'm I'm fully aware as well that his goals like it's it's a good stat that he got six goals in the Premier League, but they've come in three games, and one of them was a penalty in a game that was done. Do you know? Like I, I'm I'm more concerned that Villa aren't. Yeah, again, they're just not making him the fulcrum because I think if they did. He would get more joy. Yeah, uh, it it is it is surprising, but remember as well, so much of the game plan is built around getting space for Jack Grealish. So yeah. Watkins has to pull people out of position. That means he has to leave the position. Whenever Barkley's there as well, that helps Watkins an awful lot because it gives the two centre halves something else to think about. Six foot two Ross Barkley just coming steaming through the middle, gets centre half thinking, and then it gets Ollie Watkins more space. So that that element of the game has been missing. Because, you know, try as he might, Bertrand Trory is not Ross Barkley. No, Jesus, I really hope Ross Barkley comes back for Sunday now. Um, if he was playing tonight, Villa win that 2-0. At least. Yeah, I'd say Jesus, you're probably right. At least. Um, the Icy Westwood, oh, he was playing a war, only one nomination. Icy Westwood. <laughs> was he playing tonight? <laughs> The Ronnie Rossenthal Award. <laughs> um, all right, so we made some Chirori's bad touch at the back post. Uh, Chirori trying to give that shot across goal. We're trying, we're trying to get that pass across goal when he should just be shooting. Um, El Ghazi, like, which one you're asking? The one where Grealish gave it to him and he got time for a touch and he does take a touch and he's got time for another two touches if he wants. He can take it further in. He's got an amazing angle on the left-hand side. And he just rolls it at the keeper. It was just like you would actually rather see a blaze over the bar in that instance. Like you know, just a tame shot like that is is not acceptable in that in that position that he was in. It's such a common shot as well, though, where you just you're so focused on getting your foot around the ball, you get your entire foot around the ball, and you essentially hit it with your heel. Fucking pathetic. It happens so often, though. This is why Liam. And you told me before during the game they stop hitting the post, but this is why I love that near post. Oh, but like Son did it yesterday against uh, Liverpool. Just just open your body up and drill it, and that near post works every time. Yeah, Anwar El Ghazi is not Son Young. <laughs> uh, Tyrone Mings for that header, like that. You know, at the time I didn't really think much of it, and then I looked at the replay, and it's like for fuck's sake, like you're eleven yards out, free header, nice cross. You can get power onto it, and he's just tried too much to put it into the corner. Yeah, I thought that. I actually, I thought that was the most annoying miss. It was like, because he tried to put too much power on it, he got so fucking little power on it in the end, and he puts it wide. It was fucking pathetic. Get that on target, and it's a goal. Yeah. Um, Courtney House. I, I don't think he's ever hit a ball on target, and this. <laughs> This was the closest he got. Like it was good because for a while I was wondering, does he understand? Like, like many times we watch him, just every good Connor Hurahan cross that was coming into the box, 
Howes was reading it out and clearing it for the opposition team and hitting it out for a, for a goal kick or a throw-in. Um, <laughs> this time, at least he hit the post. But it's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I know somebody else might say, oh, like he's taking a deflect. It hasn't. He's, he knows the ball's coming into the box and he's actually gotten into that position now because it has taken a deflection. And he just lets it hit off his head. <laughs> just, yeah. Like, he's in the middle. He's not in the middle of the goals, but it's just gone out wide. Like, even... Even if it does hit him surprisingly, it still should just be going on target. Initially, I thought he did really well to react to it, but then when I saw it back, it's just a flick on at the near post. He's not reacting yeah. well to it. It's just something that's happening in the box. And you see that he does react to it. So once he does, get it on fucking target, man. That's not what Courtney House does. Um, Hope Cons is back as well, just for that goal thread even um, for Sunday. He was sick tonight. And the last one... Jack Grealish at the end, like that's uh, again probably just disappointing because of the optics of it. But he's done everything right yet again. Probably taking an extra second out of it again, and then just ballooned it over the bar when he was just in a, a position to score. He needs to be scoring there. He does need to be scoring there. That's that's what we have Jack Grealish for. As you know, that's what makes Villa better than the other teams who have similar players. Yeah, across the squad, Villa have Jack Grealish, and he. We, we need Jack Grealish to be scoring there. Like he's, what's the point of skinning two players and getting into the box if you're just yeah. going to lean back and hook one over the bar? Like, what What's the point of you giving all your chances away to El Ghazi and fucking Traore all night when you get a chance and you're going to miss as well? Like, you know, that, that should have been him saying, all right, finally, I'm in a position and I'm going to score. But no, I'd rather see El Ghazi. No, I wouldn't, but uh, just not, not good enough. I don't say that often about Jack Grealish. Um, Expect more. Who who do you have? I I say El Ghazi's chance. It was just uh, too much time, too good an angle, and too shit a shot. And seven all our fucking seven all <laughs> ciders for it. <laughs> you have? Do you agree? Yeah, El Ghazi, absolutely. Um, the Peter Enkelman what the fuck award? So like, you're not a lot of options because Villa weren't under any pressure. Uh, but. And the canvas tackle on McNeil in the first half was just unforgivable. That's one of those ones like where you know we've complained about Douglas Louise before giving a free away in that position, just in the center of the goals, twenty-two meters out. But McNeil's going away from the posts and he's under pressure. There's a, there's another defender there. All right, it might be my target, but Nakamba's just clipped his heel for no reason. Like Nakamba is actually running around to the other side of him as well. So there's going to be two players right beside McNeil between him and the and and Martinez and he's just giving a free kick away for nothing yeah. you know, nothing came of it Martinez just caught it you know where an hour keeper might have tipped it out for a corner but um, yeah just like what are you doing man yeah really really frustrating uh, their tone was set I think it was in 92nd mark where Villa had Burnley penned in and at the time I didn't know this was going to be the pattern of the game so I was a lot more annoyed about it the ball's coming to, I don't even know who it was. It was Westwood at the edge of his own box, facing his own box, ball at head height. The camera just runs in and pushes him in the back. <laughs> what are you doing? We've got them exactly where we want them. Ashley yeah. Westwood's about to try to control the ball. Let him have it at the edge of his own box. Yeah. Just run in and push him. And he did it so often throughout the game with just pointless, silly fouls that just really either slow down any sort of momentum Villa had it like in that instance or just gave Burnley what they wanted a bit of fucking oxygen to lump a shit ball into yeah. their shit centre forwards 
and take five minutes out of it while they walk up and get Ben. Like how, that's so sad. You know when Burnley get a free kick around you know midfield in the center circle, and then you see Tarkovsky and May walking into the box. It's like, lads, what are you doing? Yeah, this is our best chance at a half. <laughs> yeah, reminds me of Tony Pulis, but at least he, like they genuinely always created chances for, from those from those set pieces. Um, only other nomination I have now. Uh, Martinez's bad clearance could come in here, but I don't want to put it in there because Martinez is really good again. Or Nakamba's um, bad touch from that clearance. Yeah. <laughs> bounced off him. Bounced, that's true. Bounced off him with 10 metres in front of him. Unbelievable. Just take it in your chest. Your goalkeeper's fucked up. Get him out of jail. Yeah. Um, I'm not even doing a Vimeo meter tonight, but Martinez was going up on it as well because that's what he does. Um... The John McGinn moment where he's trying to do keepy uppies in his own box, and then Ben May just volleys it off him. <laughs> Martinez saves it, and it's like, what? Like, just clear it. Like, what are you doing? And then he, he was standing there with his hands out, thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know who he was complaining to in that situation. John McGinn had another shit game tonight, and I, I went, I went easy on him last week because he won the penalty, but he was fucking dreadful tonight. John McGinn needs to get over his own arse. <laughs> I I wonder, can you just not see past his arse now? No. Because I, I, I thought he was decent. That's all he's trying to do. Every time the ball comes in, they jump, like, he he manufactures that. He waits yeah. for a player to come just so he can put his arse into him. Yeah. He never, he never used to manufacture it. It used to just be a great uh, weapon in his arsenal that he had when he needed it. And I think that's gotten into his head. He's constantly trying to do it. And people are obviously wise to it. This happens all the time whenever someone does the same fucking thing over and over again. Like El Ghazi cutting inside from the left wing onto his right foot. People know exactly what you're going to do, so they're ready for it. They get caught out a lot with it tonight. I think he's, he's forgotten how to use his fucking feet. He's relying so much on his arse. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, said, I think you're right, he did get caught out of it. But the times, and this, this is the great thing, but the times he did get caught out of it, he was able to recover a lot of those situations and... I, I don't know, I just I just thought he was a bit more like a dog of a bone a little bit and just, you know, he was one of the ones that kept nicking in with the ball as well and just getting the momentum going in Villa's direction. He didn't really offer much in an attacking sense, but I was I was happy enough. But that's, that's the minimum I want from him. That's what I want from Nakamba. I don't want John McGinn <laughs> is playing centre midfield for us. Like, I don't want him to be just using his arse and then trying hard. That's not the two things I want from a centre midfielder. Like, you know, going through the checklist. Well, did he use his arse tonight? He did. All right. <laughs> and did he try hard? He did, of course. Yeah, okay, good. Give him his wages this week. Fuck off. Play a bit of fucking football. Yeah, we'll give the Peter Enkelman award to Nakamba for anything for the tackle on McNeil or for the push on Westwood. Um, questions we can't answer, but probably will. Uh we sort of touched on this, but at what point does Ollie Watkins grow a set of balls and knock on Dean Smith's door and ask, what is happening? Start playing me the ball. <laughs> well, I, th- I think he should have been asking questions around the 60th minute mark tonight, and then he should continue those, because Sam Allardyce's West Brom, it could end up oh. being a very fucking similar game. So Villa are going to have to think about how they approach that, and it's not going to be via those two headless inverted wingers does Sam Allardyce have enough time to it does I was actually trying to count this how many sessions he'd have and I was like you know four sessions would be enough to be like you stand here you stand here you stand here you don't move <laughs> you know, and 
like that that'll work you know it's going to be a dogged match yeah and that's exactly what sam allardyce is going to do like most managers that's the first thing they do because it's the easiest thing to do to get people to run to get people to buy into it people are People are a lot more willing to, you know, try something for for a new person. But that voice will become very tired very quickly. And that is, this is a question that I can't answer, Conan. How has Sean Dykes lasted so long in his job? It because it's Burnley, like, but because like they're probably making profit now because of the. I no, I don't mean from the chairman. I mean, how are the players still doing what he's asking? Because yeah. he's asking them to do the same thing over and over again. He's the third longest serving manager in the top five divisions in England. Do you know why? Because the same way Sean Dice is managing a Premier League team, a lot of these players are tra- playing in a Premier League team. Like, where else would they fucking go? Like, Ashley Westwood and Matt Lowton were hounded out of Villa and are the heroes at Burnley. Like, where would Ashley Barnes go? <laughs> Where, where, where would Ben May go? They're never getting into the Premier League again. Sam Allardyce is West Brom. So, yeah, until they get relegated and then get promoted again. And get, like, you know, Doug, I don't know WhatsApp that I sent you. Like, it's time that we stop promoting West Brom. They've had enough chances. They stink out the Premier League every time. And that was before they appointed Sam Allardyce. <laughs> but um, it's a good question. Like, what's the life cycle for Sean Dice as a manager before all the players get so bored like the only good piece of analysis that michael owen ever provided was about his time at stoke when he said that tony Pulis finished him off that's when he decided to retire because it was the same mind-numbing thing over and over in training he said if you weren't in the starting 11 you were just a statue you were standing in places that he wanted you to be in so he could practice set pieces for the starting 11 and uh, obviously Michael Owen doesn't want to be doing that for the rest of his life and he he retired from football rather than play under Tony Pulis. <laughs> that is fucking so depressing. <laughs> but like, like, Sean Dice has been there for eight years and there's players who've been there a long time as well and they're still listening, they're still running as hard as they can. But And some of them, I, I take the point that a lot of them are shit, but you know, McNeil and Brady aren't shit footballers. Parkowski yeah. isn't shit. I gave him a bit of a trim in there earlier on, but he's not shit. Ben Mee is fine. They, they played for England, you know, and they are still running around like dogs. Yeah, so like, you're you're wondering like how many years now until people stop listening to that shit and that same old tired run. And actually, another thing that Sean Dice did say in that podcast that I'm talking about was that he's very aware of how negative he sounds, just his voice. So he tries to, I think his rule of thumb was to try to give them, like, talk, say something positive seven times for every one negative thing because he doesn't want a, a negative culture going around because of the sound of his voice. Fucking <laughs> oh, So maybe it's just genuinely good crack around the place. Let's stop talking about Sean Dice and losing the world for this. <laughs> And you know what? We'll have to do it one more time this season, and then we'll have to do it another twice next season, as long as Villa don't get fucking relegated. Um, at what point does Jack Grealish decide I'm not rolling it to Trorori or uh, Gazi again? In the last fucking minute, so we can blaze it over the bar himself. <laughs> but really, like you see, you saw him getting annoyed at uh, Target again. Just you know, not Target. Like he just. He, he, he kicks a lot of balls out of play. He kicked you know, the ball out of play twice in the first 15 minutes. 
I know. And Grealish went mad at him one time for that. And it's it's usually just because he's he's afraid of having the ball for too long. He's never under pressure because because he'll never hold the ball for long enough to be under pressure. If he has the ball for three seconds, he starts panicking no matter what's happening around him. So we we talk about his defending, we can talk about his lead feet, his his crisp body, but his packet of crisp body that is. But just his panicking on the ball is insane. Panicking under no pressure. Like he had the ball five times in the first fifteen minutes. Twice he kicked the ball out of play, trying to play it down the line. Yep. And and once he, he just played the ball infield to a Burnley player who was closing down the space. The guy is a fucking waste of space. And the the problem for Villa is that they clearly need to they clearly need to improve on their flanks. But I just is he just going to go ahead with target for the rest of the season? I can't it can't. Like no way. That it's it's too obvious. Villa haven't been linked with a left back since they signed him. But but surely even like whatever, like if he thinks that he's good on the ball, which he's not, like he must see the way he runs and the way he defends and the do you know what he must see that like and how unreliable he is and how Neil Taylor is the backup like all the stuff that we've been talking about the whole time like, he must see that like Grealish would see that at least like you know, Grealish cracks up a target because target panics or you know there's so many times well that moves break down because it comes back to target and he tries to play it first time kicks it out of play or just kicks it to an opposition player and like you know that like, that's just not good enough for somebody like Grealish. Like, he, he can't be playing his whole life with Matt Target on the left wing with him. <laughs> what? Que- back to questions we can't answer. What's more <laughs> depressing? That Michael Owen story or that last sentence of yours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what do you think? When does Grealish stop playing the tail, Gazzy? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, see, the, the problem that Jack Grealish has got, and I've had this problem as well, whenever you're playing at a level above or below your own, you can't resist just keep, it, keep doing the right thing. And the right thing in your own head is always, because when you're playing a game of football, there's loads of things happening, so the right pass is always the right pass for the person who's running into space. And you don't have time to think that El Ghazi is shit. You have to play that pass, and Jack Grealish, just, it's in his nature to do the right thing. So he's going to keep playing that pass until Aston Villa replace El Ghazi. Then they'll be playing the same pass to somebody who won't just trickle it into the keeper's arms or blaze it over the bar. Did you hear the the scream of Grealish at full time? Yeah. Just utter frustration, like utter depression. Probably annoyed as well, just that he had to waste his time playing against the Sean Dice team. Um, yeah, obviously I missed a big chance towards the end. The referee was annoying him. The referee... Blew it up early. What he seemed to be complaining about at the end as well. Yeah, Jay was just really pissed off. Like, and, yeah, it was like, and in a way, like that, that sort of worries me as well. I don't, I don't want them to have too many nights like that. Where <laughs> it's just like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Yeah, but like you know, teams lose games that they should. Like at least, at least they're at least they're playing well. At least he's not having to, you know, track back like a dog. Like Villa are a good team now, and you can see that. That's what's annoying them that they're not winning games that they should be winning. He had a very similar reaction after the Brighton game and the West Ham game. The camera pans to Jack Grealish now because he's Jack Grealish. And people have suddenly realised that he's class. And <laughs> he's, he's going to look annoyed a lot during the season. But, you know, we'll just see. We'll see what happens in the summer. 
Uh, will Villa be the team to get relegated with the most points? <laughs> you need to fucking grow up, Connor. Uh, I'm getting like everybody keeps winning. Like, I, I don't know. You need to develop some sort of algorithm to show me what's possible or not. But like, I'm starting to get to a stage where I'm thinking every single team in the league is going to have at least 50 points. <laughs> so, like, I don't know if that's possible, but everybody's winning and getting points. Um, Sheffield United lost again tonight, so there's one gone. Uh, no, Villa are not going to get relegated. Like I've always said, <laughs> Villa are going to finish 14th. You think 14th? No, it won't be that low. It won't be that low. It'll be between 9th and 14th. It, it, but that's where Villa are going to finish. And then it's just a question of whether or not Jack can see the progression to stick around for another year. And whether or not we can convince Ross Barkley to sign. Whether or not we replace the left back. It's the, it's, it's, it's the same questions that we had at the very start of the year. We knew these things were going to happen. And it's panning out exactly that way. Yeah, but like, tell me this, like, and maybe I'm spoiled, and like, maybe everybody is because of the start and stuff like that. And the teams we've beaten, I said we've played, uh, we've pl- now played six teams in the top ten last year. We we beat five of them, and Burnley, the only team we couldn't beat from the top ten <laughs> last year. Um, but do you think Villa are better than the ninth best team in the Premier League now? Like, you know, would ninth would finish in ninth be disappointing? Like, I know, like, that's a a flaw now is basically I'm talking about getting relegated and I am still a bit worried about that. Like, I look, I look over my shoulder and think, like, I saw West Brom drawing with Man City. Uh, like, and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Do you know, because I'm like, we still need to just get more points in those teams. But at the same time, I'm also thinking we've got a good team. Like, maybe not players-wise, but the way they're playing, they look better than the ninth best team. Villa have a great manager. They have... Jack Grealish, they have a smattering of very good players, and then they've got nothing after that. But they are still, they still have to be looking up. They're not looking at fucking West Brom. Sam Allardyce is West Brom. <laughs> Villa are looking at Wolves or looking at Everton. That's where Villa are looking at for this season. And then after that, it's like I said, can we keep Jack? Can we get in other players? Yeah, or what do you do with the hundred and twenty million that you get for Jack? And oh, fuck off. Um, what's probably two hundred grand a week or whatever it is off your wage bill? Like no, but like yeah, fuck. I don't. I never want that to happen. But and like it's going to be very hard. It's, be, it's going to be a waste of a hundred million basically. But you'd still be in a a decent position. Like you wouldn't be fucked over with it. No, this is what you find though. You, you know, because Villa can't buy another Jack Grealish, so getting a hundred million is almost irrelevant. They're just going to sign a bunch of players who can't do the things that he can do. They'll sign like sign five Bertrand Rory's. Villa aren't better then, they're still worse. You you can't replace Jack Grealish. And most teams, Spurs have found this out a lot. Whenever they sold Gareth Bale, sure, that was just it, gone then. You know, they just don't have Gareth Bale. It doesn't matter how many Eric Lamellas they sign. Gareth Bale's never coming back. Well, that's it's a good point though, and a good comparison, right? Because well, it's not least... actually a good point because Gareth Bale did come back. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a very shit Gareth Bale came back. He's just been injured the whole time since. But um, like what Spurs did with Gareth Bale was that they got to a new level. Do you know what I mean? So that's almost why this January transfer window is important. So why you've got Grealish and Barkley, can you convince someone else the same standard as Barkley to come in? Do you know when they're like, well, that does two things. It pushes you up the table a little bit more. It attracts other players. It, it might convince Grealish and Barkley to say, but then also even if they go, 
you know, suddenly fill the team with another Barkley and maybe two more Barkley. If you can get another wide attacking player, a better left back, you know, just another midfielder that are a good level. If you can buy three top players now in January, I don't know it's January and Villa don't want to be screwed over and players aren't available as much, but yeah, like that's that's probably a good time to make a move, especially in a buyer's market. Villa have filthy rich owners and nobody else is looking to buy just yet because the world has gone to shit. Villa have filthy rich owners. They've got ambition and they've got huge holes in their squad. So Villa, if Villa aren't the biggest spenders in this window, I'd be, I'll be upset. That's enough for me. Um, disappointing night. Like I say, played very well. Another clean sheet. Looking solid. And we've got West Brom at home. Or West Brom away on Sunday. Sam Allardyce is West Brom. It's going to be a slog. It's going to be disappointing if we don't win. But it's an opportunity for three points. So let's just put this one behind us and go at it. See you then. That wind is calling my name. And I-